Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. My name is Simon Head. Hope your week's going well. This one's a bit of a rarity, a special weekend edition of the Brit Pack. And this show is all about one man. That's because on this day six years ago, June the 4th, 2016, Michael Bisbing achieved sporting mortality by becoming the first ever British fighter to win a UFC title. Circumstances around the fight were far from ideal. He was on the set of the movie Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage in Toronto, Canada, when he got the call telling him that he'd been chosen to replace the injured Ronaldo Jacare Souza to take on the undisputed middleweight champion, Luke Rockhold at UFC 199 in Englewood, California. That meant that Bisbing had just 17 days to get ready for the biggest fight of his life as Bisbing headed down to Los Angeles to fight a man who had already beaten him decisively less than two years earlier in Sydney, Australia. Few people gave Bisbing a chance, but the Brit had always maintained that winning the UFC title was his destiny. And on an absolutely crazy night in LA six years ago today, that destiny became reality. This podcast is one man's story of that achievement. I've been covering Michael Bisbing for as long as I've been covering MMA. When I first did writing about the sport in 2009, he was the UK standard bearer for mixed martial arts. Alongside fellow Brits Dan Hardy, Brad Pickett and Ross Pearson, he was part of a rare group of British athletes who had made it onto the biggest stage in mixed martial arts. Hardy was actually the first Brit to fight for a UFC title when he challenged George St. Pierre in March 2010. And despite taking GSP the distance, the outlaw eventually lost out on the scorecards. Many thought Bisbing might be next, but he was still rebuilding his career after a devastating knockout loss to Dan Henderson at UFC 100. That KO was so bad that many, including many in the UK media, were writing off Bisbing as a busted flush. You just don't come back from knockouts like that. And if you do, you don't come back the same fighter. Well, Bisbing did come back. He came back better. I was cage-side for his win over Yoshihiro Akiyama at UFC 120 in London. And at that stage, the momentum was starting to build. But as even more setbacks plagued his career, it seemed like he was destined to never get that shot at UFC gold. Title eliminator fights with Chow Sonnen and Vitor Belfort both ended in defeat. The first one via a debatable decision that even Sonnen thought that Bisping had won. And the other via another bad knockout that eventually cost Bisping the vision in his right eye. He later told me how he had to dodge medicals and bluff his way through doctor examinations to keep his career fighting with just one eye alive. Further losses to Tim Kennedy and then to Rockhold in Australia seemed to cement Bisbing as the middleweight nearly man of the UFC. But despite those losses, he remained determined in his quest to fight for the UFC title. Three fights after that Rockhold defeat, he got the fight that seemed like the natural denouement to his career. Anderson the Spider Silver was the middleweight champion throughout Bisbing's unsuccessful quest for a title shot. While the Brazilian had lost his title prior to facing Bisbing, that fight felt like the moment the Brit had been waiting for. After one of the craziest UFC fights ever seen on British soil, Bisbing dropped and then defeated Silva, despite being almost knocked out himself by a flying knee at the end of the fourth round. The atmosphere that night and the roar that went up in the O2 when Bisbing was announced as the winner will live with me forever. It was one of the most incredible, incredible atmospheres I've ever experienced at a sporting event. 
So he'd finally fought and defeated the man he'd been chasing for all these years. He proved his point. He beat the guy who was the guy. Surely now was the perfect time to put the gloves down in the centre of the cage and retire from the sport. Point proved. Not a chance. Bisbing still wanted his shot at the title. Indeed, he told me, I'm not just here to get a title shot. I'm here to win the title. That is my destiny, to become UFC middleweight champion. And a little more than three months after that Anderson Silva win, he got his wish. On 17 days notice, against Rockhold, the man who'd beaten him so decisively the first time around. I put in a call to the office to say that history was in the making in California at UFC 199. And 20 minutes later, they called me back to say they'd booked me flights and accommodation in LA. I was going to LA to cover Bisbing's title fight in person. Now, I'd interviewed Bisbing either on the phone or in person countless times before. And when he saw me at the open workouts, he kind of greeted me like an old friend. I was the only journalist from the British written press in LA for the fight. And he seemed to really appreciate seeing a fellow Brit in the press pack that day. And those open workouts also gave us the chance to talk to the fighters before fight night. And even UFC bantamweight champion Dominic Cruz, who was actually going to defend his title in the co-main event that night, even he was looking forward to seeing how Bisbing would fare in his short notice title fight. Bisping's an OG, man. He's been in this game so long. He just beat a guy, uh, what's been argued as one of the greatest of all time, right? Anderson Silva, and he beat him. You can't argue the gameness of, of Michael Bisping. You can't. You can try. You can say, oh, he's just talking. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. The dude shows up, and he doesn't, he's not just talking anymore because he's putting himself on the line on two weeks' notice against a nasty champion in Rockhold. Rockhold's no joke. And he said, I'll do it. Let's go. I'm ready for a little title shot. I can only respect that person. That's not an easy thing to do, and he's got some cojones on him. Cruz would go on to retain his title with a virtuoso performance against his old rival, Uriah Faber, in the co-main event. As for the main event itself, most people believed it would be pretty straightforward. Rockhold was a huge pre-fight favourite, and none more so than with Rockhold himself, as he made very clear to us in a very confident pre-fight media scrum. It doesn't matter to me. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm capable of, and, and I let go. That's the thing. It's like I don't focus on the outcome. I know what's going to happen, but in the in the moment, I don't hold on to winning or losing. I just focus on having fun and fighting. I know how good I am. I know what I'm capable of, and I pretty much know how it's going to finish. But it's just a matter of letting that go and fighting your fight. Does, does he present any danger at all to you? Well, he, he's, a, he's an annoying guy. If you let him get in your head, he can, he can get to a lot of guys. Um, so, but I just keep my composure. I'm going to open him up. I'm going to find my opening, and, and, and then I'm going to make my kill. Who or what is the biggest threat to your success right now? You're at the top of the game. Where do you see the biggest threat coming from? None of, it. None of these guys. It's all going to finish. It's all going to end. You know? I, don't, I don't see anybody in this game. Are you disappointed it's not Whiteman on Saturday? No. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to beat up Bisbee. Now, Rockhold may have been confident to the point of cockiness, but Bisbing was equally confident. But his confidence came across very differently. The Brit, whose chance at his life's dream had come under far from ideal circumstances, arrived in Los Angeles seemingly without a care in the world. Usually, Bisbing is all fired up and intense as he gets ready for his fights, and he admitted to me subsequently that he used to 
go into fights actually hating his opponents because that's how he felt he would get the best out of himself. As his career went on, he mellowed. He started to learn that there was a lot of wasted energy. And this time in LA, he looked a completely different person. He was calm. He was relaxed. He was cracking jokes. He was at peace with his situation. But underneath that jovial exterior was a fighter who knew something that nobody else in LA did. He knew that he would win. And he told his story in that pre-fight scrum absolutely perfectly. Have a listen to this. I'm ready to go. I get to punch Luke Rockhold in the face. I get to become world champion. I'm a happy man. There ain't no processing, you know. I'm happy. Does the fact that you got this at short notice almost, in some ways, take the pressure off you? It's, if you had a big long camp, you'd be, you'd have this weighing on your mind. For absolutely, a long time, so. absolutely. The way, the, the reason it's a short camp, it's just come out of the blue. Um, there's no pressure. Listen, I know I'm expected to lose. I know everybody's got me as the underdog, but I don't see myself as the underdog. I'm performing amazingly, uh, as if I've done a full camp. But I'm fresh. I'm explosive. I'm strong. Whenever I start my training camps, I always feel like this. And then by the end of eight weeks. I, you know, I've learned now, I've learned now, because this is the first time I've had a short notice fight. This is the way to do it, to look after yourself and turn it up. I had two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks of intense work. I feel fantastic. I feel strong. I feel explosive. I've got no injuries and, and, and I'm still, my, my nervous system is still firing. A lot of the times, eight weeks, you know, it's a long time. And because it means so much to me, because I train so hard, I drive myself into, uh, into the floor. You know, I'm coming in there fresh, believe you me. Look at me, I'm now to fat on me. I don't need eight weeks. Rockhold, I know Rockhold. I know what he's capable of. I know he's a very, very good fighter. Um, but the, the opponent isn't important. This is about me. This is about me fulfilling my destiny. And whether or not it's Luke Rockhold, Muhammad Ali, Godzilla, it doesn't matter. It's going to take a bullet to the brain to stop me on Saturday night. Hey, I've said it before, two years, two weeks, two months, two days. I don't care. Half of this UFC roster are pussies. They wouldn't take this fight. Jack Ray wouldn't take this fight. Makes me sick. I'll fight anyone, anytime, any place. I've just proved that. I took a fight on two weeks' notice. I'm going to walk off a movie set. I'm going to walk into that octagon. I'm going to take Luke's Rockhold's belt. He's going to lie on the floor. He's going to wake up looking at the stars and think, fuck, this guy just beat me on two weeks' notice. After the open workouts, a group of us in the media headed to an English bar of all places for some food, drinks, and to discuss the events of the day. And I sat down to have a chat with my good friend and veteran MMA journalist, John Morgan, on his podcast, The MMA Roadshow, to unpack what we'd just seen at the open workouts that day. Let's talk about, you know, Michael Bisping stepping in. Uh, certainly, I'm, I got to say, I'm, I'm happy for the guy, man. I mean, it, you know, obviously we, we try not to get you know too personally involved with these fighters, but when you've been covering somebody for a decade, uh, and, and Michael has just done like such a great job of selling fights over the years and really being involved. I mean, he's fantastic with the media, of course. He's done great in giving us our stories that we need over the year. Um, but, you know, he, he has a way of making you care about fights. Even, even when fights are announced with Michael Bisping, and you're like, I don't care about that. And then by the time it gets fight time, you start to care about it a little bit. I mean, I think Luke Rockhold is genuinely, like, pissed off. Like, I think initially he was like, I'll take this fight. This is easy money. And I think Mike's getting to him a little bit. But... He said it, you know, at the open workouts yesterday. I know everybody expects me to lose. Um, you uh, quite uh, suspiciously didn't submit a uh, a pick in our uh, video picks. I, I think uh, I Entirely may know why. circumstantial. I think I may know why. But, uh, no, I mean, lay it out there. I mean, from an English point of view, obviously, this is your guy, man. This guy's been carrying the flag for a long time. But it does look like he's got a pretty big uphill battle. Do you see 
a way for him to, to, to prove victorious, or is it kind of one of those things you're just happy he's there? First off, I, 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 should, have, I should have submitted a pick. Um, and in, in lieu of said pick, I will, I will give you a pick now on the MMA Ratio. And if Abby Saban is listening, Abby, I can only apologize. It has been a very busy few days. Michael Bisbing um, can make a believer out of most people. He, it's kind of ironic because I've spoken to him many times down the years. I've been very fortunate enough to, to build up a bit of a rapport with the guy, and we seem to get on quite well. Um, and I interviewed him last year, and we talked about the different jobs that he'd had before he became a, a, a professional fighter. He used to do door-to-door sales. He used to do door-to-door sales. He'd knock on people's doors. I don't know whether he's trying to sell double glazing, central heating, or, or dictionaries. I don't know, encyclopedias or whatever. But he wasn't doing very well, and his boss grabbed him one day. This is when Michael Bisbing was uh, shaven-headed and weighing in at well over 200 pounds. And he'd say, um, you aren't making many sales, Michael. Do you think you're being a bit too intimidating at the door? And he's like, yeah, maybe I am. Maybe this isn't for me. And then he went and did something else. He's worked in a slaughterhouse. He's worked in loads of different jobs. But the, the grand irony to this is a guy who basically had to quit a job as a door-to-door salesman has become one of the very best salesmen the UFC has ever had. <laughs> right? Great point. Very few people can sell a fight like Michael Bisping. Because when this fight was an, uh, uh, originally announced, if you take the British angle out of it, and I, I watch other people's reactions, a lot of people were like, yeah, he's already lost to him. There's also that, that element of goodwill because this is a guy who's he's done the hard yards. And I think, I think there, there is that groundswell of, of um, feeling that this is a guy getting his just desserts in terms of getting the shot, right? But when push comes to shove, he's fighting a guy who stopped him decisively. Um, and that was when Bisping was coming off a full camp. Right. So, but there's something about Bisping this week. I'm not saying I'm picking him. I don't think I can go as far as to pick him. Um, if you put a gun to my head and said you got to pick someone, I think I'd pick Luke Rockhold because common sense tells me to pick Luke Rockhold. But I am a sporting romantic and I come from England, the land of the FA Cup, where big upsets happen every year, where the big giant teams of the Premier League get upset and knocked out of the cup competition by non-league teams or lower league teams. It feels like this. It really does. and and. Bisbing, especially today, I mean, like he did the media scrums for us. We also heard him on TV before. This is a guy who, he's usually the favourite going into his fights. He's the poster boy. He has to do all the heavy lifting with the media. He's coming into this. He's the massive underdog. And he's playing the role absolutely perfectly. And after the press conference we had today, I walked away thinking, if I was a neutral... I'd want that guy to win. Right. You know, I mean, obviously there are people who, who watch Bisping through uh, his early career and some may still think he's a bit of a douche because he was, <laughs> because he wasn't the easiest person to love earlier in his USC career. But he's kind of matured and, you know, he's, he's a personality. And the one thing you get with Michael Bisping is if you ask him a, a straight question, he'll give you a straight answer. Absolutely. Uh, he knows he's the underdog. Um, I would love him to win. I'm a journalist and I'm supposed to be impartial. But I'm also a Brit and I want the sport to do well in our country. So I have to balance that a little bit. It would be great for where I live. It would be great for, for me. And, and the fact that 
you know, as a sport, I get to promote the sport with a British world champion. So it would be amazing to see him win. And if he did, it would be one of the biggest upsets in UFC Championship history. As you could tell, I couldn't quite commit to picking Bisbing. The common sense pick was Rockhold. He'd won so decisively first time round. And Bisbing was coming in off no training camp. Rockhold had had a full training camp. All the, all the pieces were in place for Rockhold. Everything was in his favour. But as I also explained on that podcast that day, it did feel like something special was in the air. It felt like an upset was on the cards. And that feeling only grew as the week progressed. Despite Rockhold being a California native, it was Bisbing who had the fan support in the arena at the pre-fight press conference, where the Brit hit Rockhold with one of the all-time great put-downs in UFC press conference history. Who remembers this? Uh, question for you, Luke. You know, you're a very confident guy. Uh, some people see that confidence as having too great of an ego. You know, is there a difference, really? Is there is there a way to be confident without coming off too cocky to some people? Do you, do you even care if some people see you that way? I think people have always been drawn away from confidence for some reason that people are haters. They want to see you lose. Some people strive to achieve things and some people strive to hate. You know, if you think something, the likelihood of it happening is very slim. If you believe in something, if you know something is going to happen, if you're confident in that situation, you will achieve things in life. That's how you overcome things. That's how you put yourself out there. You believe it and you achieve it. And that's what I do. I know what I'm going to do. I know that I'm better than this. Sounds like I the know worst that I'm gonna knock book him out. you've ever read. Conceive, believe, achieve. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Listen. Yeah. You're talking like you're like this dominant champion. You you just won the belt. This is your first defense. It's not like you're Anderson Silva, who I just beat, by the way. Okay, this is your first defense. You're gonna lose the belt. Then Bisbing rammed home his mental advantage as he continued to wind up a clearly riled rock hold at the ceremonial weigh-ins. Let's keep it civil, boys. All right, I'm here with the challenger, Michael Bisping. First of all, Mike, it's been a long time coming. You've been one of the top contenders in this division. You are finally getting your title shot. Give us your thoughts on Luke Rockhold as an opponent and what this means to you. I've been in the UFC for over 10 years, okay? I fought the best in the world. I've had my ups and my downs, but you can't keep a good man down. I'm here. I do believe this is my destiny. Thank you all for being here. This guy, Luke Rockhold, I know is a great fighter, but I'll tell you this, there's not a single person in the world I would rather take the belt off than this smug motherfucker right here. Good luck to you, sir, and I can't wait to watch tomorrow night. Michael Bisping, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with the champ, Luke Rockhold, being heckled even while he's questioned. Give us your thoughts on all this, all the trash talk that Michael does. Does this affect you in any way? And give me your thoughts on what it means to defend your title against him. Man, I enjoy it. It just fuels the fire. I'm excited for this fight. Credit to Bisbing. He's earned his shot. He's worked his way back up the ladder. But he's going to find out there's levels to this game. He obviously didn't understand what happened last time. It's time to penetrate that thick skull and make him realize his true destiny. That's behind the desk. Good luck to you, sir. The champion, Luke Rockhold. We will see you all tomorrow night on pay-per-view. Thank you very much for coming out. After the Waynes, all the talking was done. It was time for fight night. I took my seat at cage side at the forum, opened up my laptop, and began reporting on a crazy night of fights that ended with Bisbing's historic win. 
the very first fight of the night served up a wild classic as Polo Reyes and Dong Hyung Ma produced possibly the best opening fight in UFC history. And the action never relented from there. The fight card delivered five knockouts in a row as the big names on the prelims delivered and the main card got underway in style. Jessica Andrade, Benil Dariush and Brian Ortega finished the prelims with a hat-trick of KOs. Then the pay-per-view main card continued that momentum with huge finishes for Dustin Poirier and Dan Henderson. Then we had the featherweight battle between Max Holloway and Ricardo Lamas, which may have gone the distance, but not before giving us an iconic moment in UFC history, as with the final seconds of the fight ticking down, Holloway stood in the centre of the octagon and pointed to the floor. Let's stand and bang was the message, and Lamas obliged as they went hell for leather in a brilliant final exchange to finish a great fight that Holloway eventually won by unanimous decision. That teed up the two title fights at the top of the card, and in the co-main event, Dominic Cruz showed his class with a brilliant technical display to retain his bantamweight title over his old rival, Uriah Faber. Then it was time for the main event. And again, Bisbing looked different to his usual self. He wasn't all revved up and ready like he normally looks. He was relaxed, almost too relaxed. He seemed to spend a long time when he got to the apron of the octagon, trying to locate his wife and children at Cageside. Was his mind fully on the job? You bet it was. When the fight started, Rockhold sauntered forward, looking uber confident, trying to find his range. Bisbing backpedaled and scooted away from danger, and it was noticeable how Rockhold seemingly had no respect for Bisbing's punch power at all, as he walked forward, carrying his hands low. Presumably, he decided that he'd felt Bisbing's power in their first meeting, and that it was no problem for him. If that was his mindset, it was very, very misguided. As Rockhold closed the distance on Bisbing, the brick connected with a multi-punch combination with the final shot, a left hook, catching Rockhold clean. The entire crowd in the forum gasped as Rockhold staggered backward. He was hurt and hurt bad. Bisbing saw his moment and followed up with more punches and another thudding left hook sent Rockhold to the canvas with only the fence holding the champion's head up. A flurry of punches to the grounded champion left Rockhold out cold as referee John McCarthy stepped in to end the fight. It took just three minutes and 36 seconds of the first round for Bisbing to score the biggest knockout of his career as he became UFC champion in one of the biggest shocks in title fight history. There were wild scenes in the octagon as Bisbing celebrated along with his corner team, including coach Jason Perillo, who helped mastermind the tactics that got Bisbing that win. He was eventually joined in the octagon by his family as he received the belt from UFC president Dana White. It took a long and winding road to get there, but Michael Bisbing had done it. He was the UFC undisputed middleweight champion of the world. After a tetchy press conference between a euphoric Bisbing and a bitterly disappointed Rockhold, I was ushered backstage to the service area of the forum where Bisbing told me that we should do a video interview. I didn't have the time to go back and grab my camera gear from the press room, so we filmed it on an iPod Touch that I just happened to have in my pocket. Bisbing insisted that I was in the video with him rather than shooting it and drafted in his manager, Audi Attar, to be my impromptu cameraman as Bisbing and I conducted his first interview with the UK press as UFC champion. Now, the audio in this is a bit iffy. It was shot on an iPod after all, but here's that interview right now. Michael Bisping, world champion, UFC world champion, the yes. first Brit to ever do it. We're sending a press conference. Being a champion is one thing. 
can have, you know, you can have lots of different world champions, but only one guy can be the first. Yeah. How much does that mean? Do you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, as I say, it's history of the baby, but um, I'm blown away. I'm blown away, I really am. And, as we talked about the support of the UK, I feel that in my heart. I do it. I know it sounds cheesy, but every time I step in there, I feel the support through social media, just through my interaction with everybody. It really does it. it, it I can't put it into words. It, it feels so special. It truly humbles me. It really does, and, and so I feel a sense to, to try and fulfil and give them what they want. You know, and every time I'm, that's why I'm undefeated in the UK, and that's part of why I knocked out Luke Rockall tonight. Um, to be the first British champion has always been. I've spoken about it so many times. I'm kind of lost for words. For a man that is never lost for words, I'm kind of lost for words. That's a rarity. That's a rarity. Hey, Mike, you stay where you're at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Given, given that you know we've had we've had this long journey following your career, and you know you've been headlining shows in Europe and been that you've been that standard bearer. You've done the hard yards. For you, is the dream to now bring that belt back to England and defend? What's the defence on British soil? Massively, massively. I want to defend this belt in the UK. That that is my dream. It has always been my dream. It was, it was my dream to fight Anderson Silva, beat Anderson Silva, and take the belt in the UK. I just beat Anderson Silva in London. I just took the belt in LA. Doesn't get much better Manchester than this. For the first oh my defense. God, Manchester! Because you missed out on the last Manchester I show. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, like yeah. The, 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 the first defense in Manchester will be an absolute dream come true. Yeah. It would just be incredible, and uh, that, that would be a fair return. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm just thinking everyone back home, staying up till city o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's hard work being a British MMA. It player, is, you know? it is. Hey, I remember, you know, being that guy. I and mean, of course, I was a fighter as well, but I used to stay up till four in the morning, watching the fights on Sunday. You're so tired, you're destroyed, and you know, you gotta go work and all these types oh. of things. Hey, hold on, guys. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so everybody that stayed up late, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Of course, it was worth it. Guys! This is my family, my wife and kids. You're gonna ruin this interview. Stop it, stay right there, do not move. In fact, get over here, get over here, get in this. Calamelli and Lucas, this Lucas. is Simon Hedges' son. Uh, uh, Rebecca, <laughs> Lucas is I'm, I'm just thinking the, the novice uh, camera. Everybody, uh, stop talking, it's film. I just want to talk about this guy for a second. You thought he yeah. was a dick before he was a dick. I was trying to... Uh, quiet, everybody. He's on a bloody iPhone. He hasn't got a microphone. Cody, come closer. I was trying not to be a dick with Luke, but it's almost impossible. Yeah, he's such a dick to you. You know, he's, you know he, he is. He's a sore loser. When he beat me in Sydney, as we were there at the press conference, quiet please, I leaned over. I said, Luke, Congratulations. And that hurt me. That took a lot for me to do. It did. And, and, and on this occasion, he, he wouldn't do the same thing. I shook his hand in the cage, and then I went back a second later to just, you know, to say, you know, man to man again, you know, I was like, listen, well done. And he said, I only shook your hand. Okay, and I was like, whoa, hold on. You know, so that's where that started. The guy's got a chip on his shoulder, obviously. I'll be honest, Jason Perillo as my witness. That's how the first toy session went down. Right, right Jay? Right. I broke his ass. You got lucky in that. I knew. That's why I took this fight on two weeks' notice. Because I knew I could do that. You know? I'm the champion. You're a powerful man, one of the best. With a beautiful wife. I've got these guys here by my side. I've got a little guy, Lucas, at home. I've got the love and support of the UK. What more can you have? It does look good. Last one, just final one. Obviously, because it was short notice, because it was in LA. We didn't get that huge crowd. Another question questions in the damn press conference. Sorry, Max, we're doing this. Um, yeah, we, we didn't get that 
big, huge uh, contingent of British fans over to watch Sure, sure, sure. Final one, message to the guys back home who want to stay up to watch. Uh, so you've got, you Everybody that stayed up, thank you all, each and every single one of you. I hope you don't feel too rough tomorrow. I hope you're not tired at work on Monday morning. I thank you all, each and every one. I'm just like you, I'm just an average guy. I really am. I come from a working class town. I've got a working class background. I used to work in factories for minimum wage. This is proof that if you have a dream with hard work and determination, you can all do it. Everybody's got a skill. I know I sound like I'm preaching, but it's true. I tell my friends this. Everybody can achieve greatness and thank you all so much. That was six years ago today, June 4th, 2016. Since then, Bisbin got his wish and defended his title on home soil in Manchester as he survived two knockdowns to defeat his old nemesis, Dan Henderson, and retain his title at UFC 204. He never lost a fight on British soil. He eventually lost his belt to George St. Pierre at Madison Square Garden, but his legacy was already assured. As I told him backstage after that win in LA, champions might come and go, but there'll only ever be one first. And the record books will always show that Britain's first UFC champion was Michael Bisbing. That legacy was officially recognized when he was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame in 2019. Now a respected fight analyst and commentator for the UFC, Bisbing's career in the sport continues. But that day in LA six years ago will remain etched in the memory. The day Bisbing got his belt. See you next time. Yeah.